Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Well, it's the last ever episode on Sunday night, and I know millions of people are going to be watching, and we all love Sarah Lancashire. I I love that she's not a one-note actress, like she played Julia Charles, the American chef who introduced French cuisine to Americans with Bon Appetit, and she was brilliant as Julia Charles, and the actor who was Niles and Frasier plays her husband, and it was such... I love him. Oh, I love Niles. I love I want Niles. to be married to Niles. I want to marry Niles. Do you Niles. know they're bringing back Frasier? Oh, my God. I'm thinking if I could get a job as a, the dog or something. Oh, I so want... I, I, that is, like, literally the best programme ever. Frasier. Yeah, Daphne went a bit weird, but, but I just love Niles. So she was brilliant as Julia Charles. She's brilliant in this. And in Coronation Street. I don't. I never. I only started watching Coronation Street when it stuck. When I started dating an author. Yeah. yeah. No. No. She was really good in Coronation Street. This is a lifelong thing for me. But what gets me about these programs is the women are either murdered and put in a suitcase, prostitutes or alcoholics, And it's the same as The Fall, which starred... Um, Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson and... Jamie Dornan. Jamie Dorn. So he was... Jamie Dornan was so handsome and fit and charismatic. Oh, yes. And James Norton is so handsome and charismatic. Most men who prey on women are not handsome and they're not charismatic. No. I mean... The policeman who murdered Sarah Everard did not look like Jamie Dornan. They are repulsive. Yeah. And they know they're repulsive. And the only way they can get women is by kidnapping them, putting them in their car and acting out their evil fantasies. I was going to say, that's probably part of of why they become who they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of their makeup. So, although it's refreshing that Sarah Lancashire is always covered in blood with a black eye and she's old and she's overweight and her sister's an alcoholic. I don't understand why women always have to be so flawed. I mean, even Gillian Anderson in The in the Fall, she was portrayed as this sort of sex-crazed yeah, predator of, of young men who didn't care who she invited up to her hotel room, who at the end of all the series, got home and all she had was some unopened posts and a bottle of red wine. You're, again, stereotyping women in that if they're not married with children and everything, they're sad, alcoholic, red wine drinkers. 
or a powerful woman has to have that sort of aggressive sexual appetite and and, and that sort of solitary life. It's, it's well, it's funny because even Sarah Lancashire, who is overweight, older, just about to retire, always fighting people in the street, is still having sex with her ex-husband who's living with his new wife who's an alcoholic. Yeah. So if I wrote Happy Valley, Catherine wouldn't be having sex with her ex-husband. She couldn't be bothered with it. She couldn't be bothered with pretending to have an orgasm with a man who wasn't man enough to stay in the family home when his daughter had a child and then she committed suicide. He ran off. Why is sex seen as the be-all and end-all and making her a fully... So it's the same with Gillian Anderson, same with Sarah Lancashire. Why couldn't they just be celibate, like like me? I think I, I think the thing is with sexes and exes, most of the time you've gotten to the stage with the ex, which it ain't really that good, if it ever was. Why would you go back? It's Sex with an ex doesn't work. No, no. And also, I think Sarah Lancashire is too tired and beaten up to think about having a Hollywood wax and getting her knickers off. she In reality, she wouldn't be bothered with it. In reality, most women aren't. And in reality, Gillian Anderson would have got to Ireland to have this awful serial murder thing. She wouldn't go picking up young policemen in the street, even if they were that lovely young Irish actor. Yeah, I, I think... I, I mean, we're not including you in this conversation, Nicola, obviously. No, I but think I could be swayed I couldn't her, be, be bothered. I think, and I think that's the reality, isn't it? It's not that women get older and they can't be bothered because they're older, but they've got the kids coming home, they've got the school run, they've got work, they've got shopping, they've got a dirty house, they've got to walk the dog. Somewhere along the line, they're trying to do something for themselves and have time for a bloody bath or go for a run. Or women nowadays are everything and have to do everything. They can't. They're not just. A housewife, so they can stay at home, they can do, you know, their job at home while the husband's at work and then have a free evening because they've done their job during the day. No, they're out at work, coming home, then working again, trying to trying to do the washing, trying to do the laundry, trying to do the school lunches for the next day. But it's interesting. Who wants sex then? But it's interesting how all these women are portrayed with a glass in their hands and that's become a sort of a cliché, really, in drama, yeah. that they get home, they've got a glass of wine. So her ex, Sarah Lancashire's ex, has married someone else. She's a drunk. All the women are just pathetic. And even though Sarah Lancashire is very strong, she still wants to have sex with her ex. She's still chaotic and pugilistic and doesn't want a leaving party. And I, I don't know. I just think... You know, I had a huge problem with The Girl on the Train, which the heroine is an alcoholic. Awful film, I thought. Awful. The film was awful. But awful. having reread the book a few times, is the plot is she's the heroine, but the plot is she's so drunk and out of it and unconscious and can't remember. That is her hus- ex-husband's only way of concealing his crime guaranteeing that she's so out of it she can't remember yeah and i just wondered when all this alcohol seeped into drama and seeped into books and seeped into fiction 
Because although, I don't know, I found it, I was quite tearful really about the scenes between Catherine and her sister Claire, and her sister Claire's an alcoholic, and her, there was a very harsh thing where she says, well, you're just, you're just a no brain, you're just a nothing, and you just don't know anything, and you don't think anything, and you're just an alcoholic. And I remember having those scenes with my sister Claire, who was yeah. an alcoholic, and there is a, a reason these women drink and my sister Claire drank that hasn't really been examined. So why did Gillian Anderson unscrew a glass of wine? It's the same in Sex and the City. Samantha would get home, unscrew a glass of wine. It's kind of become like our prop. It's become like a sedative. It's... I don't know. I think there's something a bit anti-women going on in these dramas and that we're just portrayed as these chaotic, drunk women who will just sleep with anything that moves, whether it's someone really young or whether it's your ex-husband. It's almost like we're sort of turning women into the stereotype of men. You know, men will go down the pub, get drunk. The first thing will be about a beer. They don't care, you know, they sleep with stereotypically. It's kind of almost like we're, we're we're trying to level it up so that women and men are the same. They've got the same reactions, and they've got and and yeah, we probably do on an awful lot of things, but we're probably coming at it from different angles. But I think a couple of generations ago, women wouldn't have treated alcohol as a prop in the same way they do now. Like my mum had problems, but she never drank. She just drank a. A, a thimble full of um, sherry. What was that? A sherry brand? Enver cream? No. I used to love Enver. My name used to have Enver cream. Bristol cream. Bristol. Bristol Harvey's Bristol cream. Harvey's Bristol cream. Yeah. And she would just sip Lovely it sherry. for hours. But I just think portraying James Norton as this charismatic, handsome villain. It's just incredibly misleading, whereas the man who murdered Sarah Everard was not attractive. No. Men who murder and rape women are not attractive. No. They're not Jamie Dornan, you know, no. they're revolting. No, no, absolutely not. And it's like, if you're going to be real, if you're going to have a drama and you're going to be real... It's kind of like they're putting in the token sexy side, you know, to draw you in or putting in the token stereotypical behaviour. Or It's kind of like they pull these different things. Yeah, we're going to make a drama. We want to make it really real and really sort of show how these, you know, characters really are in real life. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like, yeah, but we've got to sex it up a little bit. Yeah, we've got to do well, this. Well, you know, my column this week is about rejection and it's about how my book has, again, been rejected by Penguin Random House. And her little notes from a, 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 the editor, who's about 12, said, you know, if a bit of advice is if you're going to give this to other book publishers, you need to make the heroine a bit nicer. And the heroine of the book I've been trying to sell is a predator. She's incredibly good-looking. She's incredibly rich. She's got beautiful car. She's got two houses. She's got a designer wardrobe. 
And she is preying on a man who isn't attractive. In yeah. fact, he's revolting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they do have a lot of sex in my book. And it's probably not very PC and it's probably not very woke. But she is using him and she is showing how revolting men are yeah. and how they don't have any awareness of how revolting they are. They think they're Daniel Craig emerging out of the sea in James Bond. Yeah, what is it with that? I mean, seriously, like women look in the mirror and they criticise themselves. Men look in, or don't even bother looking in the mirror and it's like they see Rock Hudson looking back at them. What is going on? But I on? also think they feel we don't care what they look like because we're so desperate. Yeah, I'm not at the grateful level yet. I'm old, I'm fat, I'm not into the, I'm not at the grateful stage yet. I'm just not, I'm just not. But no, I, I, like I, if I had an enormous agree. pot belly, I wouldn't walk around naked. No, 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 no. no and I remember once David said to me, I said, he was staying with me. And I think we were staying at my sister's. And I said to him, why are you wearing pajamas? And he said, oh, I caught sight of myself in your mirror. And I realized I perhaps ought to wear pajamas. So suddenly it was my mirror that was the fault. Yeah, yeah. So my mirror showed him for what he really was. And so I'm just really pissed off, literally pissed off and feel like I just, I, I'm going to give up because a strong, attractive woman who isn't an alcoholic is the predator preying on a man who isn't attractive, who thinks yeah. he's attractive. Try and make your heroine a bit nicer. But I've been thinking of putting the novel on Substack. I think it's a really good idea. And I'd be interested to hear what listeners think about doing that. Do you want to tell people what Substack is? Because I hadn't heard of it. Well, Substack um, is, it was started by writers from the New York Times who were very fed up with being told what to do and not being paid very much. So it's a it's a platform for writers where they communicate with readers and they get the money paid direct to them. There's yeah. no middle person. It's a subscription directly to the, yeah. to the writer, yeah. Yeah. And it's a good way as well. I think some authors use it, don't they? They put their ideas out there. They put their first draft out there and then they discuss with the reader where they think the book should go and what they like and yeah. what they don't like. And yeah, you could have characters. monthly meetings about where you think it should yeah. go. So Margaret Atwood is on there, for example. Yeah. Um, Salman Rushdie. Is on there, yeah. so you do, you do have fiction mixed with fashion, dressing for older people, etc., etc. Oh, it's loads of stuff, isn't it? Psychics, there's, there's all sorts of things on there. So I think that'd be a good idea. So I'm going to read you my column in a minute about being rejected, but you, Nick, have been all things Pamela Anderson this week. I have, have you been I have. wearing a red swimming costume? I have. I been. Ch I'm going to be coming in next week, blonde. Red swimming costume. Red swimming costume. What was that little thing they carried about? It's a float. But that's not going to rescue it's anyone. It's a float. No, but could, it's not a rubber ring, is no, it? You can stick it under their head or something to stop them drowning while you drag I them I always back. wonder what that red thing was. What, what, <laughs> what did you think it was? Because in my day, a float was a rubber ring with a duck on, duck's head on it, or it was a square of polystyrene. Yeah, but you wasn't sprinting along the Baywatch beach, was you? In with slow David motion. Yeah. Wasn't. No, I have been watching um, Pamela, A Love Story, which is a new documentary on Netflix. 
and reading her book, Love Pamela, which came out on the 31st. So it's only a couple of days ago. So I've been manically watching and reading these things because I, I'm very interested in Pamela Anderson. I think I, what I dislike is how we sort of treat people as stereotypes, you know, busty, blonde, must be stupid. But So I was really interested in listening to her and her experiences, not something that's channeled through the media, not like the um, the drama that was with Lily, what's, what was it, Lily? James. Lily James. I, I, I never Lily used to James. like Lily James. In fact, I wanted to stab her. But then when she did the Nancy Mitford book, I actually thought she was brilliant. Yeah. So I do yeah. like her more. No, I really I really like Lily James. And I loved her in sort of Mamma Mia and, and, and stuff. I, re- I really like her. But I don't, I don't really like those sorts of documentaries, particularly when... The person it's about hasn't collaborated and they haven't had their say in it and they don't want it to happen. I sort of feel it's a bit voyeuristic to, to watch it. I don't, I just, it gives me a bad taste in my mouth. So I was really interested in listening to something that actually came from her. And what I loved about both the book and the documentary is there is this absolute simplicity, this real feeling of authenticity. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. She's a sex symbol, but she's allowed herself to age. And you see that on the programme. She's not wearing makeup. She's just got this sort of smock on. I mean, admittedly, it's slightly see-through. You can see she's got an amazing figure through it. Do you remember Uh, that Ruby Wax interview with her where Ruby Wax is running along the beach? Oh, I love Ruby Wax. Love Ruby Wax. And, you know, she looks like a woman of her age. I mean, she's 55 now. And she looks like a 55-year-old woman. But a 55-year-old woman that's in bloody good nick and still very beautiful. I mean, her figure is just incredible still, absolutely amazing. But she seemed pretty devoid of vanity, to be honest, which surprised me. I sort of expected her to be a little bit more made up and a little bit more, you know, sticking to, to we all want to be how we were when we were 20. And let's face it, who wouldn't want to be Pamela Anderson in Baywatch or Playgirl? Playboy, I mean, who wouldn't want to be? And she seems quite happy, refreshingly, with the woman that she's become, as opposed to clinging with the girl that she was. And... Oh, that we could all be like that. Oh, that we could all be like that. Um, And she had the most awful time as a child. I'm not going to go too much into her story, because there's there's a documentary to watch, there's a book to read, and I'll recommend both of them. Uh, are, her breasts, had, are her breasts real or are they not real? They're not real. She had them done when she was um, with Hugh Hefner. Um, they, and she sort of re- regretted it because she said every conversation after that became about her breasts. Everything about her was her breasts. And it was like kind of, you know, there's more to me than that. And she had the most awful time as a child. It was, it, it's literally an unbelievable amount of sexual abuse. Uh, firstly from a babysitter, a female babysitter when she was a child, then a 25-year-old raped her. I think she was about 12. Um, She didn't tell anyone because she thought it was her fault. And it just seems to happen again and again to her. It's absolutely painful to read and to listen to. But also someone should have been protecting her. Someone should have been protecting her. And her parents, I, I... She's very loving towards her parents, but so when I was listening to her story... I kind of felt that they really, they were far more interested in their own dramas and their own relationship to be worrying about their child. And it was, it sort of made me quite angry. And 
what's interesting is she's not angry. She's not angry. She's not bitter. There's no drama. There's no pity party in this documentary or the book. Nothing's lingered on. I mean, she's got some awful, heartbreaking experiences that would be worthy of many chapters. You know, you and, and we know some celebrities write and they go on and on and on about it. Harry. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly thinking that. And she kind of mentions things really briefly. She's very factual about them. I mean, she she talks about the the, the sexual abuse from the babysitter in like a couple of paragraphs. She doesn't linger on it. She doesn't draw it out. There's no victim. It seems to be a bit Marilyn Monroe-ish, doesn't it? So Marilyn Monroe was an orphan and mum was in an asylum. Marilyn Monroe had a terrible childhood. Yeah, but the, the difference with, with Pamela is the I am not a victim thing is very, very strong throughout the documentary. And she's not bitter. She's not mean about anyone. There's no recrimination. I'm bitter. No, exactly. And I think most of us are when we've had no, I'm shitty, really bitter. shitty experiences. You could make marmalade out of me. <laughs> <laughs> lemons for lemonade um, but she's not she's she's not overtly warrior she's not like you know I'm I'm not a victim I'm a warrior it's this very quiet strength with with absolute well I have, a, I have a Pamela Anderson antidote do you? yes let's hear about that so in about 2000 I shot Pamela Anderson for a cover of Marie Claire and it was great it was a lovely piece and it was all about animals and the interview was lovely but people don't understand when you're an editor you are under so much pressure to sell and every day because you think you're the boss you're not 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 the boss every week i'd get these epos figures early point of sale how many copies have we sold this week? How many? Oh, Jesus Christ here. No one else in the office cared about sales. No one else, else in the office cared about budgets. No one in the office cared about awards. They just cared about eating their sandwich and drinking their coffee and going on prime location and their boyfriends. But I had this electronic point of sale figures sent to me all the time. The ABC, how am I selling? How am I? So I got this cover of Pamela Anderson. She looked beautiful. And I said to my very willing Kerry, <laughs> who's much more willing than you are. Much more willing. That isn't going to sell 400,000 copies. We're not going to beat Vogue. We're not going to beat L. So we did another cover for the same month. So people think I'm this great campaigning journalist. I'm not. I was just scared. We did. A, I said we need to do another cover. We need because I don't think Pamela Anderson's going to sell. I don't think she's going to sell. Poor she's, Pam. Poor Pam. Oh. So we did another cover with Sophie Dahl, and the same photographer did it. We used the same background, and Sophie Dahl was very difficult, and both of them were meant to be topless. So Pamela Anderson, fine, do what you want. I don't care, Pam. Lover, did it, no problem, didn't complain. Yeah. Sophie, no, I want to wear a bra. Right. Oh, okay, but do you understand Sophie Dahl? Very connected person. She's obviously a Nepo baby, isn't she? We talked about Nepo babies. Yes. I don't like them. 
Nepo baby, Sophie Dart, now I want to wear a bra, so she's wore this bra. And I said, but you do understand we're going to try and make you look topless, so we're going to airbrush off the big big wide straps and everything, and I airbrushed off some of her spare tyres. And Did you do that for me? <laughs> so I had a brainwave, and I called Peter into my office, and the deputy art editor is the person who's going out with Kylie, just to throw that in there. Just chuck it in, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I called Peter into my office and I said, neither of them are going to sell. What we need to do is put both out. And here's the ruse. Who do you want, women of Britain and the world and the universe? Curvy Sophie Dahl or skinny, big-breasted Pamela Anderson? You choose. Let's see who sells most. Very And crafty. it went... Viral before there was viral. And Every won. newspaper published both covers. Which did they choose? Which did they choose? Which did they choose? Which did they choose? Now, Pamela Anderson being used in this social experiment, not a peep did I hear from her. No. Thanks, Liz. Lovely cover. Bye. You know, I'm yes. off dance. I'm off surfing. Pamela Anderson didn't. Query it, didn't give me any trouble, unlike Christy Turlington, was a dream. Yes. Sophie Dahl, lawsuit after lawsuit after law. I never gave permission. I was wearing a bra. There was this huge oh, piece in the God. mirror. I got to my hotel in Milan for the shows and there was the mirror on my bed that Kerry had put there. Sophie Dahl sues Marie Claire oh, for using it. So the thing I love about Pamela Anderson, not only her animal rights stuff, and we then employed her as a columnist, was that she said, okay, this is a job. Yeah. I'm on a cover. If the editor decides to compare me with Sophie Dahl, I don't care. I'm moving on to the next thing. But Sophie Dahl did nothing but complain. So she's one of my enemies. So Sophie Dahl, Johnson's she's Cleaners. List. She's on the list. Johnson's Cleaners, Sophie Dahl, Kate Winslet. Who else is there? David. Who else is there? Oh, God, the list is much longer than that. <laughs> oh, the list is extensive. Do you want to hear this week's column? Let's hear it. Friday. Not my best day. Let me inform you that manifesting does not work. How many manifesting books have you had on this programme podcast? <laughs> eh? No, it doesn't work. Does it doesn't work. work. I was manifesting a book deal all over Christmas. But you have to really believe it. I did really and believe you have it. To let it go I did to really, the I did believe you it. Believe I did believe it. it. I did believe it. Let it go. Just let it go. And I then did. It back to you. I got an email giving me really bad news. My new novel has been rejected by Penguin. They don't offer on partial novels, apparently. I don't know how they expect artists, me, to eat while writing. But still, I texted Nick, you, me. her reply is unprintable. Asterisk, 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 asterisk. The first letter is a C. We were pretty peed off, weren't we? I was. Yeah, well, I was as well, because when you're peed off, I'm peed off. There goes any chance of me buying a house, ever. And then, oh dear God, David 2.0 texted. We have never met, but he sent a selfie. He has a stomach, that's all I'm saying. He's standing against an awful, 
awful door, like something you'd find in a premiere inn. I once turned down a date with a perfectly decent man because his selfie, taken before he went for a run, remember him? Yeah. Revealed his carpet was stained. What have I spent all morning doing, Nicola? What have I spent all morning doing? Your carpet's a spotless... I had a man come and clean my rugs. It's all de-dogged. He was about 100 years old, and the only thing he kept muttering was, what naughty collies. Yes, well, I think that's when he was getting all the pee stains out. Anyway, David 2.0 texted, Hi, Liz. I know I've been column fodder, and that's fine. Asterisk which we'll come to in a minute. We will come to that. It made me laugh. Weak men would run a mile. I'm confident, self-assured and successful. Oh, dear God. I drive a white Ferrari. Oh, dear God. Red is too common. I'm looking forward to us having an animated conversation. But who does he think I am? Popeye? Is this is like some sort of sales pitch. It's awful. <laughs> I am much more than your match. I want to strip away the outer abrasive levels the media sees and find the war tender person inside. There isn't one. I was just about to say you you had my punchline there. I am in <laughs> Istanbul at, I'm in Istanbul at the moment and thinking of you. Are you up for the challenge? He added a smiley emoji. Oh, <laughs> what it, seriously, this is like a teenage boy. This isn't like an adult But his man. door was awful. His door was awful. Oh! I want to find the warm, tender person. There is a one. Good luck with that, mate. Go on, crack on. I considered ignoring him as I don't want a sparring match. I'm not Annika Rice. But like Teddy the new collie, who's chewing my cables at the moment, he hasn't really done anything wrong. Lots of women would be tempted by a fancy car. Nicola... But I'm not one of them. When I went for dinner with the luxury goods heir who owned a Maserati, him, did you hear the roar of my Maserati as I drove up to Middleton Lodge? Me? No, sorry. I should have turned up my hearing aids. (laughs) I spent the entire time worrying about Gracie chewing his seatbelts. Instead, I replied, I've only been to Istanbul once. See, I'm interesting. You are interesting. I stayed in the Four Seasons. See, I'm upmarket. I don't have awful doors. No, you do not have awful doors. They can be a bit chewed, but they're not awful. The Four Seasons used to be a prison. It was the very one featured in the film Midnight Express. When I went to Istanbul, I'd been on a fashion trip. And in a sartorial panic, I'd bought a pair of Jimmy Shoon... Jimmy Choo, knee-length boots at Heathrow Airport. Never, ever buy anything in a panic at Heathrow Airport. Never, never do it. Well, I'm, I'm not going to, and I'm certainly not going to be spending a fortune on Jimmy Choo bloody knee boots. Well, I gave them to you, but when anyway. I, when I could go to next. I hadn't realised we would spend the first day in Istanbul visiting mosques, which, of course, don't allow shoes. So what with the plane, or what with it being very hot? My legs are puffed up. Consequently, at every entrance to every mosque, a team of very nice bearded young men were enlisted to help me get the boots off and then they sweetly waited and got the boots on me again. They were ever so sweet. (laughs) David 2.0 then sent another selfie, ignoring my anecdote. 
He's with two bearded Turkish men. I think I prefer them. It's not going well, is it? Anyway, I'm having my hair and eyebrows dyed tomorrow, a pedicure and a manicure and a wax, ahead of a reader's event at a hotel in London. So I text him. I'm in London on Tuesday if you want to meet for a quick drink at 6.30. Note the word quick. Yes, that was going to be very brief, wasn't it? Several hours later, he sends this. We'll let you know when I'm back. I'm not keen on being in a slot. That's a bit saucy, isn't it? Well, he's certainly sort of, you know, willing to stand up to you. Yeah. I'll give him that. No, we don't want that. I'll give no, but it makes for ever such an interesting situation. And then he sends me a video from Turkey. Right. It's been taken inside some sort of club or a bar. It's a video of a woman and she's pole dancing. Why? Just why? Why do men go abroad and then do these awful things? But why send you a video of a woman pole dancing? I think it's why? some sort of power thing. It's like sending a dick pic. Yeah, it's kind of like you crack on, mate. Do you know what I mean? I'm still worried about your door. (laughs) (laughs) So the asterisks were when he said, I didn't mind about being column fodder. My asterisk says, I never asked for your permission, numbnuts. This is just a beautiful match made in heaven already, even before you've glanced at each other. But there's a very, very, very good moan this week. Do you want to know what the moan is? Tell me about the moan. Spa days. I love a spa day. No, no, you don't. Because after you've read this moan, you won't want to go on a spa day. Okay. All you get for £70 is access to the pool and the experience shower. Who wants an experience shower? Well, you could go and get that down at Leighton Baths, couldn't you, for £4.10? Included in your day... Are a complimentary fluffy robe and slippers. That's like booking a restaurant and being told we include plates and a knife and fork. Yeah, I can't. I, I... <laughs> Why is a dressing gown and a pair of slippers a selling point? A selling point. Oh no. <laughs> You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. Do you want my archive? I do, but I'm just rescuing your bag because it's gone from your... your Whenever we do the podcast, Teddy goes in my bag. He's got your purse, he's got your bag. Give him something to chew. He's got a tissue, can't he? Give him a tissue. I hope this isn't a dirty tissue because I'm pulling it out of his mouth. He loves a travel plug as well. Don't have a travel plug. Right, okay. So we're talking about TV water cooler moments. Happy Valley. Yes. Ross kissing Rachel. 30-something, when Melissa finds her boyfriend's fell off his bike and got killed. Yeah, don't know that one. You're a fetus. This is my piece in the Evening Standard, 2004... Do you know, you can age me like a tree. You know you can age a tree. like With its rings. You can age me from my archive. That's true, actually, to be fair. 2004, this is me writing about the end of Friends. Are you listening? I'm rescuing something out of your dog's mouth. I'm in tears and can hardly breathe between the sobs. 
I feel distraught and cheated, bereft and alone, as though I've been dumped by the most handsome millionaire on earth. I've just finished watching the last ever episode of Friends. Life, I'm sure, will never be the same again. Never. Never, ever. No. I was traumatised. I still miss them. They are my friends. I was traumatised. I didn't feel like this at the end of Sex and the City or 30-something. I didn't even feel like this at the end of Moonlighting. And that was when Bruce Willis sported a full head of hair. Do you see how long my affair with Bruce Willis has gone on? It has, but I loved Moonlighting. I have been in Bruce Willis's bath. (laughs) <laughs> and I told all the women at that talk in London about me being in Bruce Wallace's bath and they all had open mouths. <laughs> How have I become so emotionally dependent on a cheesy American sitcom set betwixt a coffee shop and a ludicrously spacious Manhattan apartment? I watched the first episode of Friends, the one where Rachel, sporting a shag hairstyle that launched a million doppelgangers, turns up in her bridal gown on Monica's doorstep in September 1994. I was immediately hooked. Ten years, ten years of my life was spent. Now, do you know I've actually started watching it from the beginning again? I've started watching Frasier from the beginning again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's like you can't beat them. What they bring out... They are my... What's the dep- antidepressant I've been described? Citalopram. Cip- 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 Citalopram. They are my citalopram. They are. They are. The programme might have received lukewarm reviews. No characters, just cliches. But I never missed an episode. I flew to LA to interview Jennifer Aniston and the airline lost my case. And Jennifer Aniston lent me her knickers. Oh. She is. Oh, I just love still her. So beautiful. She's so sweet. Monica was my favourite because I have a little vacuum that cleans the bigger vacuum. Yes, I know. I know. I rushed home from even quite promising dates to watch it. I would collect the videos and the DVDs and watch endless reruns until I knew the one line was off by heart. The formula, this is a bit like my column. And also, this is what Helen Fielding said about Bridget. One laugh every 30 seconds. Yeah. But that was absolutely it, wasn't it? It absolutely Friends was there for me on lowly Saturday mornings while I sat in bed wearing a face pack, pondering two days without speaking to a soul. Friends was there for me at the end of a very long night out when I hadn't met anyone, been bored, been forced to pay the bill. I spent the first eight years of Friends Run as a single woman. This was the very first programme to reflect who I was. Long before Bridget Jones, it had six singletons as its heroes, and they weren't sad or desperate or unattractive. They were all good-looking. Have you seen me today? Stunning. Hollow laughter from Nicola. Hollow. Hollow. Even the hundred-year-old man who cleaned my rugs rugs laughed. (laughs) You're not your normal coughed person. The women characters weren't icons. They were women who were unintimidating and had feet of clay. Phoebe was the flaky fruitcake who loved alternative therapy and cats. Monica was a repressed busybody who was a childhood fatty, while Rachel was the best friend every woman has never had. I love Rachel. She's beautiful, vulnerable, unlucky, addicted to fashion. Over the years, friends dealt with 
infertility, homosexuality, compulsive eating. That was Joey, obviously, and Monica. Oh, I love Joey. No, he was too stupid. Watching Friends always made me feel safe. The purple apartment was the most cosy place to be. The only indication that 9-11 had taken place was that the Twin Towers were seamlessly erased from the New York skyline in the credits. It would have been unthinkable for Phoebe to get breast cancer, for example, which is what happened to Sex and the City Samantha. Or for the Pantene-haired Rachel to plumb the depths of loneliness and self-doubt that Carrie was able to do. And yes, sometimes that meant Friends was glib and superficial, but that is often what you need Tully to be. It was a big chocolate declare for the soul. There were wonderful moments, like Rachel's first kiss with Ross in the doorway of the coffee shop. No, Rachel's Rachel's first kiss with Joey. Or when he said her name at his wedding to another woman. I take thee, Rachel. Yes. <gasps> that was in London, baby. London, yeah. baby. Monica dancing at a, at a party in Ross's college dorm but there were clunkers too usually when real life celebrities turned up george clooney brad pitt i love the one with brad pitt in phoebe kept cuddling him and stroking him it's exactly what i would have done <laughs> i grew up with friends but i never outgrew it not that the characters ever looked remotely older of course well the plot lines they all sort of got married didn't they and paired off and i too got married and have started to enjoy more practical programmes such as small town gardens and a place in the sun. Very soon I expect to be listening to the archers and despairing over its racy plot lines. Did the final episode live up to its billing? Without wanting to spoil this evening for those of you without a review tape or a loft in Greenwich Village, I can only say there is a spine-tingling, stomach-churning, humdinning of a kiss and a really happy ending, if only life was like that. She got off the plane. She, I got off the plane. I got off the plane. She, I got off the plane. You got a review tape. I got a review tape. Wow, you were and my friend, My friend tried to steal it. I think that's perfectly reasonable. That obviously just shows where you were at that time. You were the height of your power. I was at the height of my power because I was chosen to review... The last episode. The last ever. episode of Friends. What was the thing? I, I need to be chosen to review the first live performance of Madonna. Well, yeah, Is anyone it's... listening? Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Letters? Letters! We have... Jane. 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 We have Jane who said, I don't know you both, but you're probably not interested in me. Why should you be? I don't expect an answer. I can't say how you made me feel normal and smile. We are interested, Jane. We are. She says, my children got me spot if why. So I think that's Spotify. I probably spelled it wrong. Doesn't matter. We knew what you were saying. 
and I joined podcasts and listened to the Archers catch up. How sad is that? A few weeks ago, I explored and I found you both. Yay! Yay! I, th- I quite want to listen to the Archers. It's been going a long time. Do you time. remember that feature good. I did on the Archers? It must be good. I was in an episode of the Archers. Ah. I went to Studio City in Manchester or Bolton or wherever it is to record an episode of the Archers. So I'm in an episode of the Archers. And they had me in a field with horses talking about horses. And I was actually in an episode in, of the Archers. In the Archers. So say you might find Liz in the Archers as well as on here. She says, I can't tell you how your honesty makes me smile <laughs> or cringe. <laughs> she said she's been a nurse since 1984. And she's well done, Jane. So look after yourself now, Jane. Look after yourself, not just other people. We've also got a lady that I spoke to. You put me onto this lady, didn't you, a year ago? Um, Michael. No, this no. lady about a dog. Well, what's happened to Michael? Uh, Michael's Michael's next. So she said, I don't know if you, hi Nick, I don't know if you remember me, but you gave me loads of advice. Read my, Georgie, my Romanian rescue. Yesterday was a year since I got him and you said I'd have a different dog in a year. Just wanted to update you. It's still a struggle, but he's much better than he was. I'm still working <laughs> with the trainer and he started to ignore me at a distance. The dog's at a distance. But she sent a video. Now, this was a dog she couldn't actually take anywhere because he'd just go nuts. And she sent a video of him, like, staring at dogs, like, in the distance, not doing anything and just losing interest. And I was, like, so chuffed because I spent a really long time with this lady. Like after my And I remember saying to you, why are you spending so much time with Ali? Yes, because she had a dog and she was very like Boris. So she had, she's done really fabulous with him. And it just shows if you persist and you keep going and you give it time, you can get there in the end. Well, we've also had a letter from Michael and I don't like Michael. What's wrong with Michael? Oh, Michael. Michael's going to be another George, not David. So Michael George not David says, given your much self-publicised financial difficulties, you could perhaps consider getting a bike as a means of journeying rather than floating around in costly taxis, spending money you haven't got. We love Michael. Why do you love him? Because <laughs> he's an ass. He's funny ass, though, isn't he? Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday. But for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.